Hey, friends, and welcome to episode 47 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies for work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach Anna Dearman Cornick, and today's episode is a deep dive into stress and anxiety. Two no fun feelings with life coach Chantel Allen as our guide. So, let me tell you about Chantel and what's in store for you in this episode. Chantel Allen is a mom to four kids, ranging in ages from nine to 14, living in a small town in Arizona. She's a certified life coach and specializes in helping moms tame their anxiety once and for all. With a career history that includes nine years as a preschool teacher, cleaning schools, and even trading the markets, Chantel found her passion in helping others when she learned to slow down and stop the hustle. In today's conversation with Chantel, she shares why you don't actually need motivation to get started. She reveals the creative and cost-effective way she outsources housekeeping and laundry. Moms of kids, you are going to love this one. Chantel also explains the difference between stress and anxiety and why she believes that stress is actually a beautiful thing. Plus, she shares the first step you should take if you think you are suffering from anxiety and three steps you can take to support friends and loved ones who may be experiencing anxiety. As usual, you know you can find all the details for this episode over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 47, including links to Chantel's social media and her go-to Monday plating system. You'll hear more about that in the interview. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hey, Chantel, and welcome to It's About Time. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. I am super excited to be here with you. Yay! Well, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. I am so thrilled to connect with you. We've been trying to make this happen for a little while now. So thanks so much for being patient with me with the reschedules and and getting this, getting us to today because you have such an amazing background and perspective. And I'm so just excited to share that with It's About Time listeners. So in in the intro, I, you know, gave all the details about who you are and what you do. But as always, I would love for you to tell us in your own words how you spend your time these days. Yeah. So I was thinking about this because I was like, okay, this is about time. I've got to think about exactly how I spend my time. So it was good to have a frame of reference to kind of, you know, make me think about it a little bit deeper. So I spend my time, so I am a life coach. So I do a lot with my clients during you know, the morning portion of my day. And then I also have four kids. So I have to split my time with my kids. And so I do a lot of running around with them. Um, we do a lot of activities together in the afternoon. And and then in the evening time, I kind of devote it to my, my own learning, but also to my husband as well. So he works late hours. And so usually about, I don't know, eight or nine o'clock, we love to go on a nightly walk. That's one thing that we've started up in the last six months that is a favorite ritual of mine now is just to kind of go on a walk with them. So I kind of like block schedule my day. I I find that that's the best way for me to make sure that I achieve some kind of balance within business, mom life, spouse, and just making sure I get everything done. So that's awesome. So your mornings are serving your clients Mm -hmm. as a life coach after afternoons are kid stuff all the Mm -hmm. way. And then evenings for learning and for that quality time with your husband. Yep, exactly. Sounds very broad, but it, I mean, it, it makes sense to me. So. 
Yeah, no, that makes that makes a ton of sense, especially, you know, kind of having everything sectioned out like yeah. that. So tell me a little bit more about your practice as a life coach. So I'm a life coach for moms who have anxiety. And I pride myself on saying like, we can heal your anxiety without needing more meds or more therapy. Basically, just I help moms who have been overwhelmed and, you know, basically crippled with their anxiety to the point where they haven't been able to be the mom they want to be. So I spend a lot of time showing them what creates their anxiety, um, how to allow their anxiety. And I always say it's like a domino effect because as soon as you fix your anxiety, it fixes your relationships, it fixes your money problems, it fixes like time management, it fixes everything. So that's a little bit about my practice, but I've been doing this for almost about two years now and it has just been something, it's, it's my pride and joy. I absolutely love what I get to do and it just, it changes lives. So I always call it kind of like my, my movement. It's my movement in the world is helping moms with their anxiety. That is, that's so fantastic and inspiring. So you've been at this for about two years now. You serve moms who feel overwhelmed and, you know, want to be the best mom that they can be and, you know, what you're doing and helping them with anxiety in a sense creates a ripple effect throughout the rest of our throughout the rest of their lives. Is there a typical, I guess, age range for kids that the moms that you work with have? I know that's kind of a wonky way to ask the question, but do you primarily work with moms of small children, older children? Um, tell me a little bit more about that. I played around with that because I did at first. I was like, I want them to be kind of the same age of my kids because I could relate to them. Yeah. But as I played with this, what I've noticed is I actually get a lot of empty nesters. Really? But they're dealing with, you know, kids that are out of the house and kind of dealing with that. So I, there is no real age range. And I actually have some guy clients and I have some teenage clients. And so it's, I mean, anxiety is my, my foundation and moms is kind of who I speak to, but this work works for everybody. <laughs> so there's not just one age range that I work with. Definitely. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Anxiety does not discriminate when it comes no. to, you know, any <laughs> facet of life. So that's fantastic. No, I, I would love to hear from you, you know, as you work, as you've been growing your business you know, in the last two years that you've been doing this and, you know, to where it is now, you know, you've got your family, you know, you've got your own four kiddos that you're, that you're taking care of. You've got your relationship with your husband. And as a fellow coach and business owner, I know that there is so much that goes into laying the foundation and building a sustainable business. You know, how, how exactly <laughs> did you get from that point A to point B without, you know, having loads of anxiety yourself? <laughs> and that is a, that's like the question of the day, I think. But I think what it has been for me, because I used to pride myself before I was a life coach. Um, I had anxiety really, really bad, mm -hmm. really, really bad. And I used to hustle all of the time. I prided myself on being busy all the time. Yeah. I was running a preschool full time. I was cleaning the school. I was organizing all of the time. It was just, I loved doing it, but it, I was always in this hustle mentality yeah. and I always felt like I had to do more to make sure that I was feeling good enough. Yeah. And so now I realize if I can, I've always been a list maker. Like I always used to make millions and millions of to-do lists all the time. Oh, yeah. And they wouldn't get checked off. Mm -hmm. Like I, I would make them and they would just kind of sit there and then I would feel really, really bad about the fact that I didn't get anything done. And as I became a business owner, I realized, okay, I can't really do that to-do list. I mean, I could, but I'd be burnt out probably, you know, within a year or so if I just didn't really focus my time and my energy in a way that was going to make sure I didn't burn myself out, but also so that I could be the mom that I still wanted to be for my kids. And so now I, one of my favorite things, I've played around with planners. I've played around with, I mean, so many apps. I have gone back to just the basic Google calendar. Oh, yeah? It's like my favorite thing because it goes everywhere, right? Like it's on your phone, it's on your computer. And I like to do this thing called, I don't know if you're, anybody's familiar with um, Brooke Castillo, but she teaches, uh, she's another life coach, mm -hmm. but she teaches kind of a time management thing where she talks talks about this thing called Monday Hour One. You know, Chantel, I have I keep getting ads for Monday Hour One <laughs> popping up in my like Instagram feed on social on Facebook. Um, yeah, I, I I I'm super interested in it, but on the other hand, like as a time management coach, I'm almost like afraid to look at it and like <laughs> accidentally be too inspired by it. Does that make sense? <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I totally get that. But at the same time, like, hey, it's another tool you could use in your tool belt yeah, too. So. Seriously. Um, no, Brooke is the, I guess, CEO and, you know, master coach of the Life Coach School. So I'll be sure to link to her and uh, in the show notes, just so anyone who's curious can check that out. But yeah, t- tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So it kind of plays along with what I was saying before, where I used to do lots of to-do list items. And what it basically is, is you sit down on Monday morning, or it's whenever it is best for you, but I choose Monday morning and I write down all of the things that my brain is telling me that I have to do. Yes. And it's beautiful because at first, like when I would first start off, I was like, I got to clean out the closet and I got to clean out. Like I would have all these weird projects that were just lingering in the background of my mind. And so if I wrote it all down Monday morning, then I kind of gave what I say, like a time frame for each thing. So if I was like cleaning out the closet, I would break that down to, okay, how long is that going to take me to clean out the closet? And how many things do I need to figure out before I actually do cleaning out the closet? And I've broken them down into bite-sized time frames. Yeah. And then I grab my Google calendar and I start putting them in. Put them in there. And start. Yep. And the biggest thing that I've had to learn is to follow through mm-hmm. with what is on my calendar. Because so many times I'll put things on my calendar and I'll, it'll get to that time of like, okay, I need to sit down and write an email. I'm like, I don't want to sit down and right? do an email. <laughs> but if it's on my calendar, I'm building that relationship with myself that, no, this is what I had set aside to do mm-hmm. before, you know, intentionally, then I, I work on following through with that. And it's fascinating because when I teach this to my clients, they're like, okay, that means I'm more constricted. It means I don't have as much freedom. And it's actually the opposite. Yeah. If you do this and you kind of sit down and you block out your schedule, you have more time than you could even imagine. We spend our, ourselves in like this busy cycle and it's it's not the items that are making us feel busy. It's our brains. So if we can just get that under control, have our calendar all scheduled out, then I mean, it's, it's great. It's absolute freedom. So, and I always tell people, you have to put things into your schedule that is going to give you a result. You can't just get on there and be like, okay, this is focus time or this is spend time with the kids. It sounds great, but if you don't have something already planned out, then your brain's going to be like, I don't know what to do right? when that time comes. So it is. You have to be intentional about what is the result that I want to have done by the time that this this block in my schedule is completed. And again, it gives me more motivation and I don't have to think about it after it's done. I can be like, no, I already did the email. It's done. It's off my plate. I And I have the next time scheduled already. So I don't have to like overthink about everything that I think I have to remember. So it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. That's like a really watered down thing. I hope people understand that. <laughs> no, so. no, that no, that that is absolutely fantastic. So Monday hour one, your time when you sit down, you basically do a total cobweb sweep of what's on your mind. You get it out either on paper or digitally. You you know decide what's most important. You break it down into smaller pieces and you put it in your calendar so that it actually happens. And yeah. I, you know, I talk to my clients about this all the time, especially the ones who are a little bit more resistant to, um, structure. Mm-hmm. It's that there's, there's freedom in having structure because you're free from the like overwhelming number of opportunities that so often results in overwhelm. Because when you have so many choices and so many things that you can do in a given moment, a lot of times you just don't do any of it and you go back to what's the default and what's the easiest. And a lot of time it's just picking up our phones and scrolling things. <laughs> Yes, it's exactly. And that's what most of my, my clients will come to me with is like, I'm so overwhelmed, but they're not doing anything. Right. So yes. Yeah. yes, exactly. Oh my goodness. So that, that's really cool. That's really cool. Um, okay. So what else, what other, what are your go-to tools uh, aside from being a, you know, Google calendar, uh, big fan of Google calendar? Um, as far as like time management goes, I do also have a paper planner because I do, there's something about pen to paper being able to kind of see things in that way. So I do also have a calendar that I put up on my, my fridge and I have one that I carry around in my purse. Um, but that's just more, it's not as one I refer to as much. It's more of like another thought download. So if I'm going throughout the week and I'm like, Oh, there's this project that I keep forgetting about, or okay, this thing pops into my, you know, my realm with my kids needing something. Again, I use that paper calendar almost as like a a rough draft yes. of some kind that I go to the next week, I have something else that I now can refer to and be like, okay, remember all these things from last week that I want to make sure I include in this week. So something simple. I mean, it can be even just be a notebook too mm-hmm. of just something that I kind of grab to. Cause sometimes again, we're going to tell our brains, oh yeah, I'll remember, I'll remember that. And then you, we never do. We kind of like give our, our brains too much credit. It doesn't remember everything all the time. <laughs> that. 
That is so true. So I really like that, you know, you still have a paper planner, but you're not using it as a reference. That's not where your calendar appointments necessarily live. You're not going to pull that out and say, okay, what am I doing next? Because you've got your go anywhere Google calendar for that, that your paper planner is a place to capture what I like to call the shiny things. Um, yes. Where, yes, I love that. Yeah, you, see, you know, we always say like, oh, I get so distracted by shiny things. And then I end up going down this rabbit hole chasing, you know, all this stuff. And then the next thing I know, I've got all of these open unfinished projects. Well, using something like a paper planner or even having a notepad off the, to the side of your desk while you're in one of your focus times and using that to capture, okay, here's a thing I need to do later. Instead of doing it right then in that moment, Just write it on your shiny things pad or pop it in your planner. And that way you've got a place for the shiny things to live. So you're still focused and not chasing them. Right. Because again, your brain's not going to want to do what is scheduled on your calendar. And so it's going to want to distract you and say, no, this shiny thing is so much more entertaining. We've got to do this. And so it is. It's like, no, put it down. Tell your brain we're going to remember it. It, But it won't be shiny next week when you're wanting to do it. Mm -hmm. But it's a beautiful thing. So uh, yeah, I like that. Brains are weird. (laughs) Yes, they are. Yes, they're they're weird, but they're also so flipping amazing. I absolutely love learning more and more about our brains. So yeah, I am right there with you. I feel like one of the biggest questions I get is how do I make myself do things that I don't want to do in the moment when I wanted to do them previously? And it's just it is it really is such a struggle. Yeah, and it's just building that relationship with yourself of like, okay, I'm not going to want to do these things. It's just you know, trusting that you can follow through with what you say you're going to do. Absolutely. Commitment and self-integrity. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's the other thing is like with our time, people think we have to be motivated to do the things on our calendar. No, motivation, that's it. I have such a thing with motivation. I'm like, motivation will come if you actually start doing the things that you need to do, Mm -hmm. but you don't need to be motivated first to take action. It's, It's just, it's more commitment. It's more feeling capable that, yep, I'm going to do this no matter what. Yeah. I love that. You don't need, you don't need motivation to get started. No. So what else? Um, You've got four kids at home and, you know, I know we've been talking about specific time management tools, but are there any, you know, strategies or just things that you guys do at home to kind of, you know, keep your heads on straight, to kind of keep the train moving forward, um, you know, without getting bogged down or without, you know, things, you know, heading on the fast track to crazy town? Tell me a little bit about how you keep things together in your home life. Yeah, this, I've always been a huge like systems person, uh-huh. especially with my kids. And I am a huge believer in, chores. I'm a huge believer in people pitching into the home and learning responsibility. And so I've had to play with this for a long time because I mean, I'm sure your people know, like you can try different systems and they don't always work. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes that can feel very, very defeating. And so I finally came up with my own system to help my kids be responsible and to be, you know, help us in the home. And it also took things off my plate. So I didn't have to worry about things as much. And basically what it is, is I have this huge whiteboard that goes in our, in our hallway and each of like, there's four zones since I have four kids, there's four sections of our house that are broken down. Mm -hmm. And so each kid for the entire week has a zone of the house they have to take care of. And every single morning they have to get up, they have to do their zone as well as they have to make their bed. Like it's all written down on this board. And it's beautiful because I used to be also the person that would check everything, (laughs) which would be such a fun thing too, of hey, you didn't do your zone. Go, let's do your zone. It was such a fight. And I've also now turned the kids to being the checkers of themselves. Oh, so I have my God. Yeah. So it's been really, I mean, it's been a learning experience at the same time, but now they're having to learn that, okay, their sibling is going to check on them and see if they've done their zone. And they, the kids are actually more picky than I am as their, their one. Because I mean, of course, they're wanting to prove all the things they're doing wrong. Right, so yeah. Yeah. It's been really, really beautiful. So, and the biggest thing I can tell people is with the systems are like, okay, well, I've been doing the system, but they still don't want to do it. I'm like, the kids are never going to want to do the system. They don't want to do their chores and they're always going to pretend like they don't remember. That's, that is their MO. Don't try to think that's not going to happen. If you can come to peace with that and just say, no, they're always going to not want to do the system. Then you can kind of come at the whole thing in a completely different way. So that's one thing that we have just done. I think it's almost been five years that we've been using this system now. And I absolutely love it. And depending on the time of year, if there's school, then we have a little bit more flexibility as to when they have to do it. If it's the summertime, then they have a different time. But 
in general, the, the bones of it is the same always. And I, I, I just, it's worked for me. And I've, the more people I've shared it with, they've tried it and they've kind of finessed it to their, you know, their family and it's worked beautifully. So that's just something that we've do, we do. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. I feel like there are probably a lot of people listening right now, scratching their heads and thinking, oh, this could work. So yeah. just curious, you know, how old are your kids right now? And you said you started this five years ago. So what would that have made your youngest? So my kids now are 14 to nine. Mm-hmm. So they're low down. So my youngest would have been five, no, four at the time. She would have been four. At the really? Time. Yeah. And so the things on there, I mean, they're not, there's a couple of things on there that we had to help her out with. Like for one, it was like vacuuming and she is, she is teeny tiny still. So Aww. when she was four, she couldn't even move the vacuum. So we would still have her get it out. We would still have her do those types of things and and make sure that she was still being responsible for her zone. But I mean, it's, they all learn yeah. like as they go. I think we don't give our kids enough credit right. for what they can and can't do. I mean, she's been doing her laundry since she's been four. That so she is has amazing. Yeah. She does a laundry day and she has a day that she goes up and puts her laundry in, switches it over. I might have to at times help her because she is so little. She has to like jump into the, the washer to get some things out. But she knows that's her responsibility to Because that was one of my biggest headaches was laundry. It never seemed to end. And I was like, how can I fix this? And so I just made it responsible for each of my kids. They now all have to do their their laundry and put it away, which is a beautiful thing. So. Oh my goodness. What an amazing way to teach your children and prepare them for a self-sufficient future. The, the problem-solving opportunities that you're creating for them. This is, this is wonderful. I... You know, I don't sit around and talk chores and, and kids with my friends that often. You know, I have a little girl who's not yet two, so we're not quite at laundry mode yet. But although she does sometimes help me, if I'm taking things out of the washer and putting them in the dryer, I'll take it out of the washer and hand it to her and she'll throw it in. <laughs> yes. And that's the thing is like, take a, take advantage of those times when the kids do want to help because when my daughter was four, she was eager to do all that thing. So it's like the fun time. Yeah. So why not take advantage of those times when they really are eager to help and and make it something that they learn? Oh my gosh, that is so cool. Okay, interesting. And, you know, teaching them and giving them these responsibilities, like you said, it's it's another thing off of your plate so that Mm -hmm. you can focus on, you know, other areas of the home, other areas of your life, gives you more space and, you know, mental energy to put toward being a good mom. So Chantal, I would love to shift gears and really dive into the meat of our interview. You know, you're a life coach and you serve moms um, who are, you know, facing anxiety and you help them overcome that anxiety without relying on the use of meds. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for anyone listening who has questions about anxiety, you know, I I think that a lot of times stress and anxiety can be used interchangeably, but, um, Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit, you know, what exactly is anxiety and what's the difference between stress and anxiety? Or is it the same thing? It's a little bit similar. I think that's sometimes where it gets a little bit difficult with our emotions because like I always think of it like a sliding scale. Really, I think stress and anxiety could be on the same scale together. Oh, like, it's just yeah, going to be on like one a spectrum side. almost. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, but I do find more and more people just label all negative emotions as anxious. Really? Oh, today I was just anxious. And so I like to play around with, what if you couldn't say anxious anymore? If I didn't let you even say that word, what would you say? And stress is a common one, but I also find like frustrated Mm. or exhausted or... So that's one thing that I've noticed is we kind of use anxious as a go-to emotion just because we don't know exactly what we are feeling. Mm -hmm. I think stress is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a a negative thing. I think we've kind of given stress a bad rap just because of society and kind of what we see in school, stress is a beautiful thing because it can make us perform. It helps us to focus. It helps us to, you know, do different things in a way that maybe we wouldn't be able to without stress. I think anxiety is kind of the escalated version of that. That's when it becomes a little bit more overtaking of our bodies. Mm. That's when you start to have the heart palpitations, the hard time breathing. Um, Sometimes people have the lightheadedness. Those are the different types of things that people have when it starts to escalate to anxiety. 
But the difference is between the reasons why people go from stress to anxiety is because they are not acknowledging that it's stress. They are not acknowledging this emotion on this lower level. And because of that, I always think of it like a two-year-old. It's like screaming at you and wants your attention. If you keep hushing it, it just gets louder. Mm -hmm. It's basically what your, your emotions are doing. So it's, you've got stress and you're like, no, I can't do stress. Stress is bad. I don't want to do stress. Then it just escalates to anxiety. So it is, it's like this scale that we have to be aware of and just know, okay, this is coming from, and I always tell people, this is coming from what you're thinking. All of our emotions come from what are thinking. If you can just tell yourself, okay, I've got to just acknowledge this and I've got to allow myself to feel stressed. I got to allow myself to feel anxiety. Your experience will completely change and it doesn't have to be this overwhelming negative all of the time. Okay, y'all. So I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you want to know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. Wow. So acknowledging stress and, you know, giving it a name and telling yourself, I, you know, I am stressed right now and accepting that that's a way that you're feeling that can be, you know, one step that you can take in order to keep it from escalating. Um, Are there any other methods that you recommend in order to, you know, accept the stress in order to keep it from escalating? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that you can do, but I've I've come up with a method. It's called my Calm Method, mm-hmm. C A L M, and this is something that I would recommend for all of your emotions, not just stress, not just anxiety, but obviously if you're feeling stress or anxiety, use it for that. But I think it's good for our, even our our positive emotions to do this as well because we have never been taught how to actually feel our emotions. We just say I'm feeling bad or I'm feeling okay. I'm like those are not even emotions. Right. So we need to understand we have a lot more emotions and doing this method that I'm going to share with your listeners will help them to be able to see that. So the steps, I'm just going to go super briefly through this, but this, the C is confront the emotion. Kind of what you were just saying, oh, this is stress. I can do some stress. Stress is coming from what I'm thinking. And again, putting that spotlight on it, it helps lower and diffuse the intensity of it Mm. because your emotions want to hide. Like if you think about when you're saying, okay, that's, your emotions are hiding behind that. Okay. They don't, you're not even acknowledging everything's fine. Yes, All of it. And I lived on that. That was my life was everything's fine. Everything's okay. And I, I always think of it like that's status quo. Why are we settling for status quo? We need to get out of status quo and realize we have millions of emotions all of the time. 
So this is like sometimes the hardest step for people is if they've never been aware of their emotions, then they might even not know what it is. So sometimes I'll even tell them, just say I'm feeling a negative emotion. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but it's coming from what I'm thinking. And that's a good first step. And then the A is allow the emotion. So this is kind of what we're talking about. Your thoughts create your emotions. So obviously, if that's true, then we don't want you up in your head trying to think thoughts nonstop. We want to get you out of your head and into your body to actually feel what is going on inside. So when you're saying, this is stress, I feel some stress, then I tell my clients to do a scan. Start at the top of your head Mm -hmm. and work your way down. Do you feel the stress in your head? Do you feel it in your shoulders? Do you feel it in your chest? Do you feel it in your stomach? And it's crazy because now, again, you've taken the focus out of what you're thinking and you're putting it onto where is it located in your body. And again, this is bringing a diffusion. It takes away the intensity of it. After you've done that, you've kind of located where it's at. I tell my clients to do the two two to three deep cleansing breaths. Mm-hmm. These are the belly breathing. I'm sure people have heard about this, but I was telling them, you want to think of your stomach like a balloon. You want to expand that balloon and then blow it back out through your mouth and do three of those. Because again, when you're feeling especially stress and anxiety, you're in this fight or flight mode. It's, it's, it's a lot of energy. It can sometimes overtake us. So we want to bring your nervous system down by breathing with it, just showing it everything is totally fine. And then I want them to describe what this emotion looks like. And as moms, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have seen the Inside Out movie of Disney. Yes. Right? So we want to do the same thing for what you're feeling. And sometimes it's easier for, like, sometimes I, like, reach in and almost, like, pretend that you're pulling it out and putting it in your hand. What does your anxiety, stress look like? And so it'll start to, you know, it's red, it's blue, it's heavy, it's soft, it's slimy, it's sludgy, it's pokey. And you kind of just start to describe what it looks like. Every single time that I've done this with my clients, even with my kids, they notice that it starts to go away. Because then we'll go back up and I'll have them do another scan. And like, it's not in the same places anymore. It's starting to move. And that's the goal is to show you that this is just sensations running through your body. It's, just, it's not hurting you. And then the L is let it be. So now you've kind of recognized this emotion for what it is. It's not who you are. And you're going to become friends with it, which is the craziest thing in the entire world when you think about anxiety, when saying, okay, we're going to become friends with your anxiety. But the opposite isn't working for you. Thinking that you have to get rid of it, that it's a bully, that it's an enemy of some kind is just increasing the intensity of it. So instead, can you welcome it in? Okay, anxiety, let's go. You're here for the day. Let's do this. And then the last step is M, move with it. It's kind of what we were talking about with motivation before. So many times people think if they're feeling anxious, they have to wait till it goes away for them to do anything. Oh, and wow. I'm always like, yeah, so let's not. You need to feel the emotion, let it be there. Now move with it. Go do exactly what you need to do. And that's kind of the steps. And again, this takes practice. It takes time, but it is magic. And this is the way that you allow your emotions to be with you. Wow. This is so good. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I, I absolutely love this. I need to make sure that so many people hear this because your calm method, confronting the emotion, allowing the emotion, and that's, what's so fascinating. So allowing the emotion, that's the, you know, describing what it is and what it looks like and identifying where it is and, you know, finding it in your body, you know, we move through life so quickly Mm-hmm. That we don't take time to really examine how we feel about things. And so often in the moment, we either push it, push it away, ignore it, and allow it to fester, or we impulsively just explode or, you know, act without thinking, which can lead to, you know, damaging friendships or relationships or just causing bigger problems than if we had just taken a moment to pause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in our society, we've only been taught how to resist, avoid, and react to our emotions. Wow. I mean, think about everything that we do in our life. They, the commercials that we see, it's go buy this thing so you can feel better. Go play this game so you can feel better. Go eat this thing so you can feel better. Like That's what we are programmed to do. So it makes sense why we feel the way that we do. It's just now let's retrain the way that we've been taught so that you can feel present in your life and feel the way that you ultimately want to feel. Cause that's, I mean, that's the ultimate goal, right? This is not a dress rehearsal life. Right. We want to live to our fullest and, and experience everything. And one of the things I'll offer to your listeners is 
we're supposed to have negative emotions. Mm -hmm. I think we often forget that. Mm -hmm. I think we're, we have this idea that we're supposed to be happy all the time. We're supposed to be motivated all the time. And when we don't, we think something has gone wrong with us and then we start to judge ourselves. And so I would just let it be that, no, you're supposed to have the negative as well as the positive. Because if you didn't have the negative, you wouldn't know the positive. So it's a beautiful thing if you can just open up to both sides. Yes, we need both sides of the coin. Yeah. We need the highs and we need the lows to really appreciate the highs. Yeah. I always think of it like the roller coaster, right? You wouldn't have a straight roller coaster oh, <laughs> or a flat roller coaster. You have to have both. That's you have to have go both. around. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So Chantel, here's my question because there are probably a lot of people listening right now who are recognizing, you know, we have a lot on our plates. I mean, we have a lot going on and we have a lot of responsibilities, a lot of roles, a lot of different hats to wear. And, you know, if someone is listening right now and they recognize that stress and even potentially anxiety is something that is consistently present in their lives, you know, taking advantage of the calm method, sure. But what would you recommend as a good first step um, if you think that you're suffering from anxiety? Well, first off, I would just let it be known that you're not broken. There's not something wrong with you because that's most of the people that come to me with anxiety, they, they're in this hustle of like, something's wrong with me. I've got to fix it. Maybe I'm broken in some way. Mm. And it makes sense why you're starting to feel even more anxious about it. So I would just calm down and just say, no, everything is totally fine. And I'm supposed to have this for some reason. Then the next step that I would always tell people is doing the call method because you have to learn how to feel your emotions. If you do that, then the anxiety and the, and the stress won't be as overwhelming as it is probably to you right now. Mm-hmm. But the next step, the last thing that I would even tell him is when you're, especially when you're feeling super anxious, like maybe you're super overwhelmed with all the things that you have to do today. It is kind of like we were talking about with Monday hour one and doing a, a to-do list download. It's also doing a thought download Yeah, because I, I love to use a reference of the hoarder show. I don't know if any of your people know the hoarders. Uh, Probably, like, maybe. Yeah, yeah, hold on to everything. Their houses are yep. packed full of everything. Your brain is the exact same way. Yeah. And so we have to, it may, I mean, it makes sense why we get overwhelmed and busy because we haven't unpacked a lot of those boxes that are in your brain. Mm. And so sitting down and giving yourself, you know, even for just five minutes a day to unpack some of those things that you have going on will give you a little bit of relief. And we, and the more that you do that, then you can take a look at those thoughts and remember, oh, these are just my thoughts. This is not who I am. These are optional. And I can decide now what I want to do with them. Because just like in the hoarders show, they kind of bring out item by item and they show it to the hoarder person and say, do you want to keep this or do you want to donate it and get rid of it? And that's kind of what you need to do with your thoughts uh-huh. to show you this isn't fixed. You can just decide what you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. So that's a beautiful thing to do. And I encourage, especially people that can't get to sleep at night, that are just feeling overwhelmed really quickly. I'm like, do a thought download, see what's going on inside your brain. And you'll be able to see really quickly. Once you start to write, you're like, oh, no wonder I'm feeling overwhelmed. No wonder I'm feeling anxious. I have all of these things going on inside my brain. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge thing. And then just pairing it with the calm method. Those those two are my foundations for everything. And if you can really get good at doing that and build that skill, you can take on any emotion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's it's trying it out and then making it a habit, making it a go-to response instead of shutting it out. I really often recommend keeping a journal or a notepad or something in your nightstand drawer or at your bedside so that on those nights that you have, you know, 37 ping pong balls bouncing around in your head, (laughs) totally unresolved, that you can get them out and, you know, a lot of times rest easier because you've, you've gotten that out of your head. So that's, that's a great recommendation. I love that. And you make it sound kind of simple, like in in a way, you know, because it's like, oh yeah, first you, you do this and you do this, but it's, it's really, I guess, being committed to making it a habit so that you, you know, that you have that in your toolkit whenever you start to feel that. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing too, is the things that I do talk about, they are simple, but the actual application of it, that's not necessarily easy. Right. And I, I love to reference it just thinking about going to the gym. Yeah. I mean, we know exactly what to do at the gym. We can get on Pinterest or you can get on anything and find out a great exercise. 
but it's not unless you actually get into the gym and you actually do it that you're going to see the results. And you're not going to see it after one or two or three times. You're going to have to be willing to do it over and over and over again to build that muscle of getting the results that you're ultimately wanting to have. So that's the biggest thing. And then I always think of like when we do do an exercise for the first time after a while, you're kind of sore and you really hate it. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's the same thing because you're kind of peeking into your brain. It's like turning on the lights and what's going on. And it's kind of a little bit overwhelming and it's a little bit frustrating. So if you're open to all of that and just know, okay, on the other side of this is going to be a stronger mentally fit person, a mentally fit mom that can tackle things that I want to do with my kids, then you are more willing to doing that. You're kind of more willing to opening up to all of that. Definitely. Definitely. It's like you said, you have to be willing to stick with it even when you Mm -hmm. don't see immediate results because it's really more, you know, it's cumulative, it's long-term, it builds. And as someone who worked out on Monday for the first time in a very long time, you know, aside aside from going on daily walks um, and then barely being able to move on Tuesday... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's kind of hard to get back in there and keep going, but it's trying to keep in mind that, yes, I am sore. This hurts. But if I just quit after one time, there there will be no results. Yeah. And you're just proving yourself right that it doesn't work, right? You're like proving yourself ahead of time yeah. of, oh, man, it doesn't work. You're failing ahead of time. Wow. So, it's, yeah, it is. it's such the same thing with using planners or switching to a new time management system. Like people yeah. will say, oh yeah, I tried that and it didn't work. And it's like, but but how long did you try it? And what did you tweak? And what mistakes were you making? You know, what could you do differently? Yeah. And I think that's the difference between committed and then just wanting something. Like if you are wanting something to work, it's very passive. Right. It's very much like, oh, I hope it works. But if you're committed, yeah. then it doesn't matter the obstacles and the fails that you have come down your way. It's just like, no, I'm committed to getting this to work. Mm-hmm. And every single time, if you're in that commitment zone, your brain will solve the problems that come up your way. Yes. So even your planners, it's like, okay, if I'm committed to making this planner work, you'll problem solve it. You'll figure out exactly what to do. Yeah. I mean, you nailed it. Commitment. That's what it's about. Yeah. So if anyone is listening right now and maybe they aren't experiencing stress on a regular basis, or maybe they are, but they are using something like the call method or something similar in order to manage that stress in a healthy way, but maybe they know a friend or have a coworker or maybe their spouse or a close family member is experiencing what might be anxiety, what might be stress on its way to escalating to anxiety. Mm -hmm. You know, what can we do to help or support our friends and loved ones who are experiencing stress and anxiety? I love this question because moms, that's what we do, right? (laughs) We're always wanting to make sure our kids are happy and doing what they need to do, right? I the I have three steps I think that it will help if it's a family member, coworker, I mean anybody that you are noticing having anxiety, stress. The first thing I'll tell you is to stop stressing about their stress. Mm. We often think life shouldn't look like this. They shouldn't be stressed. They shouldn't be anxious. They shouldn't have to struggle in some way. But just like everybody, this is normal. What they're going through, how they're experiencing their emotions is normal. There is so much going on, like good stuff going on. And so if we we focus on the hard and that this is wrong, then we're going to perpetuate the problem. And there's actually so much good that comes from the struggle. We're supposed to have negative emotions. So I always think of it like, don't rob them of their full experience. They are supposed to go through whatever it is for some reason. Mm -hmm. And it's good for them. It's It's building them stronger and they're going to learn something from this. Now, if you think you have to fix it, then they're giving you're giving them the message that something has gone wrong, mm-hmm. that they, you know there's something wrong with you. So it is being more of just that confident place of like, okay, they're feeling stressed, and now what? We don't need to be stressed about their stress. Mm-hmm. And then the other, the second step is get better at stress and anxiety yourself. Ooh. Demonstrate it. Feel your feelings. Call it out. Do the the calm method. Right. Allow it. Lean into it. Move with it. And just remember and remind yourself the worst thing that could possibly happen is an emotion. I can do an emotion. And I've tried lecturing my kids about this stuff. I mean, obviously I coach on this all day long. <laughs> if I sit them down and do this, they don't listen. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't want to listen to what I have to say. 
But if I'm demonstrating it and I'm saying, okay, you guys, I'm, I'm feeling stressed right now. I'm having some stress about some things that I'm thinking about and I'm just going to, I'm going to allow it right now. And I've done it with my son. He's kind of watched me go through it. It, they learn more from your influence than they do from your lectures. So that's one of the things too, is get better at your own stress and anxiety. And then they are going to hopefully feel off of that. Wow. Model the behavior, whether it's your kids or coworkers or friends or family. That's fantastic. Yes. Well, and it's just like, I'm sure you hear this. We mirror their emotions Mm -hmm. if we don't. And we don't need to mirror their emotions. If someone's stressed out, your husband comes home stressed, we don't need to be stressed about their stress. We can actually feel calm and just show them exactly what, how we feel and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. But the last thing, obviously, is we do want to teach our kids. We do want to teach our family members sometimes about this stuff. So teach them the calm method, but don't do it from a place of needing them to understand it. Mm. So it, again, is like it's not feeling the expectation that you have to fix it. It's like, okay, I'm not going to stress about your stress, but hey, I have these tools that I, it has really, really worked for me. Can I share them with you? And let them listen and let them do whatever they want to do with it. Mm-hmm. So teach them the steps, the method, but let it be the way that they want to experience it. Whatever they experience is exactly what they're supposed to do with it. Wow. And not put pressure on them to, you know, right the supposed wrong of stress and anxiety so that you can fix the problem. Because then it's almost as if it it becomes more about you being the fixer and crossing that off of your list than it is about truly helping them. Right. Well, and it's also knowing that they, like we, unless we've been taught this, we think that our emotions come from other people, right? If like my kid is not listening to me, then I'm going to feel stressed. So if they listen to me, then I won't feel as stressed. And it's knowing, no, we can be in constant control of our emotions. And they can decide whatever they want to do. And and it just it takes the expectation off of them and off of yourself. Mm-hmm. Because truly, I wake up some days and I don't want to be happy. I just don't. Either I'm in that funk. I'm in that way. So if someone was telling me that, well, here's this calm method. And if you just did the calm method, you'd be happier. I would be even more resistant to it. Mm-hmm. So it's just letting people sometimes be in a bad mood yeah. and just know it. There's nothing wrong with that and that you can be that calm, confident person on the other side just saying, okay, when you're ready, I'm here for you. And if you want these steps that I have, I can show you what that looks like. Oh my gosh. I, that is that is so fantastic. That is, I've, I've had so many moments of just being completely blown away by what you've shared in this episode, just you know about anxiety and how we can, we can personally allow our anxiety and, you know, let it be and and work with it as opposed to fighting with it or insisting that it be banished. But then, you know, your recommendations for helping someone else by modeling those, you know, positive responses ourselves, I mean, that is, it's so inspiring because I feel like it takes a lot of pressure off of us to fix something that's not wrong with ourselves and fix mm-hmm. and, and we don't have to fix something for someone else. Like it really is up to them. And Chantelle, I really think it all comes down to this, how you spend your time, how you, you know, manage your emotions. And I don't even want to use the word manage because that almost feels cold, but how you express, how you experience your emotions it's all up to you. Like you're in control. Like we are mm-hmm. in control here. Yeah. And yeah. keeping that in mind takes away that that victim mentality of my emotions are happening to me and I am not in control of how I feel versus I am in control of how I feel. I choose I can choose how I want to experience, process, and move with an emotion. Yeah. No, that's it's everything. Yeah, it's exactly what you just said. And I think this will give you so much freedom. It will, because otherwise you are going to be at the effect of your time, like your your schedule. I mean, everything. So it is managing your mind and your emotions is, I, I it's like the magic pill that everybody's constantly searching for. It's this, and it's just inside your brain. So. Wow. That is, that is amazing. I cannot thank you enough for giving your time to, it's about time today to share this wealth of information with us. You know, Chantel, if, 
anyone listening wants to connect with you or work with you or stay in touch, continue to learn from you, where can we find you? Yeah. So I have a closed Facebook group actually, where I kind of take this information and I, I kind of give trainings. I give extra help to moms with anxiety and it's called the Zero Anxiety Moms Club, Ooh. which is kind of fun. So um, if you want to come in there and then you can um, get all this training, all this information, and then have access to me that way. And then also I have um, one-to-one coaching, which is just taking on clients and helping them in six months time, basically heal their fear of anxiety, which is absolutely amazing. It just helps them to create the life they ultimately want to have as a mom. So if they're interested in that, they can find that at Chantel at ChantelAllenCoaching.com. Fantastic. Um, And I will say, I love how you said that you heal the fear of anxiety rather than healing the anxiety. Because if there's one thing that I've learned from our time together, it's that, you know, stress and anxiety even are just normal parts of life. Yes. And that's the biggest thing is like, if people think they need to heal or, you know, get rid of their anxiety, I'm like, no, it's just the fear of it. We just need to get the resistance off of it. Take the brake pedal off from just let it go. That's awesome. So I will be sure to link your social media handles, the link to your Facebook group in case anyone is interested in, you know, getting some additional training and connecting with you there. So you guys will be able to find all of that in the show notes. So Chantel, thank you again so much. This has been such a powerful episode. I'm so grateful to you for giving your time. And I really look forward to staying connected. And yeah, thank you so much for for being here today. Thank you. This has been a really fun conversation. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. And I'll talk to you soon. And there you have it. If you couldn't tell, I absolutely loved spending time with Chantel and learned so much from her. Turns out it's perfectly okay to feel negative emotions. In fact, we need them to truly appreciate and feel the positive ones. Stress can be a beautiful thing. And next time you're feeling the stress ramp up to anxiety, remember, confront the emotion, allow the emotion, let it be, and move with it. Go do what you need to do. You can find links to Monday Hour One, Chantel's go-to planning method, as well as links to her social media, website, and Facebook group by visiting the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 47. And as we're wrapping up, before you put your phone away or click over to your next podcast, I want to thank you again for tuning in. And if you haven't yet, I invite you to click the subscribe button wherever you're listening to be the first to know about new episodes. And if you like what you hear, I'd be so grateful for your review and feedback. Just take a quick 10 seconds to tap five stars and let me know what you think about the show. That's it for today. Thanks again for listening. I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.